Welcome to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast, hosted by me, Bianca Foley. And me, Charlotte Williams. In this podcast, we explore our efforts to making changes to our lifestyle as influencers, to live a more eco-conscious lifestyle, and hope that we can encourage you to make one small change. This isn't just a podcast for influencers. We want this to be a community of people who are trying to do their bit, where we can learn from one another and share our tips. So join in the conversation over on our Instagram, at Sustainably Influenced. Today we're joined by Robbie Lockie, co-founder of Plant-Based News, the multi-award-winning resource for the latest up-to-the-minute plant-based interest and vegan content. That was a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) So Robbie was born in Zimbabwe, Africa, where he started his career in digital design in 1999. He then came to London in 2000 to further his career in design, media and communications. He has worked with a variety of ethical brands, notably managing the website infrastructure rebuild and relaunch for Veganuary. In 2016, he co-produced a short documentary, Swine, for the UK animal charity, Viva. He's been involved in a number of online campaigns, including Move Money, a charity helping to raise awareness about ethical banking. Robbie co-founded the online platform Plant Based News Limited with Klaus Mitchell in 2017 to act as a global platform for change. What an introduction, even if I do say so myself. That's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being with us. It's, yeah, it's been a couple of hectic weeks. There's been loads of recording and loads of stuff going on, so it's nice to get you on. Um, you've worked with so many ethical and environmentally focused brands throughout your career. Um I think if you could kind of tell our listeners what sparked that interest in working for change, that would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I started my career in digital design all the way back in 1999. I was very young. I grew up in Zimbabwe and um, I grew up in a very creative and artistic family. And um, my mum was graphic designer and artist and I always loved visual communication. I loved the idea of being able to take what essentially kind of can feel like art and use it as a way to communicate a message. Um, It wasn't until I was working for Jamie Oliver about 10, 11 years ago uh, on Jamie's kind of website, jamieoliver.com and the initial kind of social media um, launch of his company before social media was as big as it is now. And I spent a lot of time with Jamie and his team at this place called San Patriano in Rimini in Italy. And what this place was, was um, an opportunity for people with severe drug addictions to get to to find healing through finding purpose. Uh, And what they did at this incredible place, which was a community of people, was learn uh, how to um, do graphic design, make furniture, uh, cheese making, wine making, restauranterism, all sort of that sort of stuff. Um, And before I was vegan, obviously, and I... But I learned the skills and I I saw people using their skills to help create change and transform people's lives. And even working uh, on jamieoliver.com and in the company, I saw and was inspired by Jamie's work using his abilities as a chef and as as a culinary guru to get people to think about food in different ways. And I had an epiphany while I was in Italy on my way back and I thought to myself, I need to use my skills to um, make the world a better place and to take graphic design and media and all that kind of stuff and use it to um, to involve myself in social change. So I set up Lavarita Studios. Lavarita means the truth. And my logo and brand was a, a lighthouse with a light spinning. And it was all about like revealing the truth using digital media. Uh, and um, I started working for myself um, and I had lots of clients and brands from from sort of you know, ethical banking campaigns to working against uh, to sort of 
advice, not advice, but to, to spread the word about the, the horrors of um, child slavery. Um, uh, Trees for Cities was an incredible campaign I worked on where we built a virtual forest where people gave money to, to help plant trees in the world so you you give money and you get a virtual tree in this virtual forest but then they actually also planted a tree in the real world as well um stuff like that and the more and more i did the more i realized that i could use my skills to to educate and transform people's views on environmentalism and health and wellness it wasn't until later obviously that i set a plant-based news with klaus that i realized i could go a lot further with it what has been the most interesting campaign or story that you've worked on so far um, I would say, uh, to be a little bit biased, it's my own personal campaign, which is World Plant Milk Day. Um, I set that up uh, three years ago as an opportunity to educate people about going dairy-free. Um, I was just shocked at how much money was being spent on getting people to drink dairy milk um, and considering how damaging it is to the environment, how it's just not good for people generally, this kind of product. I just thought I really want to create some kind of counter-campaign that educates people because every year there was a dairy, a world dairy day. Uh, and I thought, well, let's create a world plant milk day. Cause one, there isn't one. Um, and I, the first year that I did it, I, we, we reached 30 million people. Uh, we got so many people involved and it was huge. We've got so many vegans involved and so many people were writing about it and doing like world plant milk day, like evenings and getting people to try like vegan alternatives. So I was just really proud and excited to be involved in something like that um, because it was, it was an idea I just cooked up in, in my spare room one evening and thought, let's do it. That's where the best ideas come from, generally, when you're just sitting there. <laughs> oh, my God, 30 million people in your first, like your first go. That's incredible. It was insane. I mean, we did have a bit of help. Uh, we had this incredible tool that was is unfortunately not running anymore, and it was called Thunderclap. I don't know if you ever heard of it. And so Thunderclap was an was an amazing tool that allowed you to garner the support of what seemed like a small group of people. So we, I think we only had 1,500 people sign up. And what it did was we, re, we wrote a campaign tweet that was like, join us to help make the world a kinder, healthier, more environmentally, uh, environmentally clean, green place, something like that. Click here to pledge. Um, and then what Thunderclap did was when you, you, you signed up, I think you had like one month to get everyone's support. And then what would happen was Thunderclap would fire out all 1,500 people's tweets at the same time, at the same point. And so the hashtag World Plant Milk Day started trending. Oh, and so wonderful. everyone's on Twitter. And so everyone was talking about it and retweeting it and sharing it. And I think it was trending on Twitter for about 20 minutes worldwide. And that's just enough to get enough um, traction and get people talking. Uh, and of course, the dairy industry chimed in and, you know, all the dairy farmers start arguing with people online and everyone starts having a big heated discussion, which is what you want. You want conversation. You want to get, you want to get people talking. So, um, yeah, it was it was great to be a part of that. That's incredible. That's so cool. I'm definitely using the Thundercat. Yeah. <laughs> it's mind-blowing. <laughs> yeah, there's there's uh, there's other companies I think that are doing similar things now. Uh, unfortunately, Twitter yeah. uh, decided to kill it because they they felt I think they probably felt that it was abusing the algorithm in a way, um, and a lot of I think a lot of like commercial companies were abusing it. So it was meant to be for social change and for nonprofits and things like that. But um, uh, I think you know um, corporate interests got involved and then they decided <laughs> to shut it down. Always the way. Yeah. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> So you're truly passionate, and we can hear this, 
through the campaigns that you're putting on, but you're truly passionate about the, a plant a plant based lifestyle. Um, but as a you know plant plant man uh, and <laughs> vegan, what would you say the secret benefits are that people don't talk about? Because we always hear about you know it's great for the environment, you know whatever it may be. There are just like generic reasons to be plant based. But for you, what like are there any hidden hidden treats? I mean, lots of things. I think you know because you're eating so many fruits and vegetables on a regular basis. It's much you you. I think it can really improve your skin. It can keep you younger as well because you're eating mm-hmm. all those, those uh, antioxidants in fruits and vegetables on a regular basis. You have tons more energy. Um, I think mental clarity is a big thing for me. Um, you know, even even when I'm tired and I've been working a lot, I still am able to juggle so many different things. Mm-hmm. I think if I wasn't based and I wasn't vegan, I I would not be able to keep up with all the things that I do. You know, I'm not a superhuman. I, I definitely struggle with the volume of work I'm doing and and all the big plans that I have and the days where I'm absolutely shattered. But mentally, I, I'm still you know I'm still firing on on all. 12 cylinders so that's <laughs> that's good um i think the other benefits are you know a sense of like purpose i feel like i'm part of something important and and i think that you know i want people to understand that eating plant-based or being vegan it's something to celebrate it's a really really positive thing and it's not easy we live in a world which is 99 percent non-vegan and our culture and our traditions are predominantly non-vegan so when we stand up and and swim against the tide it can be difficult and it can be challenging but I think that when we do this it can transform us as people and it can and it can make us stronger and more resilient and certainly a lot more courageous. My partner and I we have a friend who also runs a plant-based company and we invited him around for a barbecue a couple of weeks ago just like what will we make and there are so many options of things that you can do um but it's using your imagination and also using what the earth provides which was really interesting and it was I don't necessarily eat a lot of meat I'm very I'm more of a vegetarian but you know it was a real interesting insight to what you can actually have and knowing that if we were to go to perhaps a barbecue in a restaurant that isn't necessarily plant-based yeah. or with with regards like the standardness of like vegan food we get a lot of that like i think people don't understand that it is possible to be creative and it is possible to to you know there's twenty two thousand fruits and vegetables nuts legumes seeds herbs and spices to choose from or probably more to, to be fair i think that the lack of creativity it really comes down to um people's lack of imagination <laughs> and i think that you know like imagination is is something that you have to nourish and you've got to nurture and i think you know when you go vegan when you're plant-based you do have to take the time and make a, a bit of an effort you have to take some effort to do this to learn my my shelf in my kitchen used to have i think one vegan cookbook there was nothing to choose from and it was it was fair about stuff on the internet now i, I must have about 20 or more vegan cookbooks i get sent them all the time but there's just so much choice and there's so many different clever and smart ways um to to work with it so i think people's imagination needs to be inspired and i think this is where social media has come in it we have a page on instagram called pbn food where we uh, show people just how colorful and vibrant and imaginative plant-based and vegan food can be so yeah using imagination is important definitely that's something that i struggle with not for me personally but my partner 
is a meat and two veg kind of guy and it's barely any veg. So <laughs> very restricted in what I can give him. And to find food that is imaginative, that is tasty, that is different for somebody who doesn't really eat in that way can be a bit of a struggle. And I'm so happy to see how things have changed over the past sort of five years, I would say quite, I think it's been quite recent to see the uptick in availability and accessibility of products, of cookbooks, like you say, just to know that there are things out there. So even now I'm trying to experiment and like I did something the other day because I don't eat pork and I don't eat shellfish and he likes, if we were to get something for breakfast and I'm I'm always trying to buy like meat-free stuff or plant-based like, alternatives and trying to get him to eat it it's taken two years but he's slowly come around to that way of thinking and he's like oh this isn't all bad it doesn't have to be meat to be tasty and trying to just changing people's mindsets yeah absolutely it's um it's incredible I, I think one of one of the things about convincing people is uh is is giving them what they call the theory of change showing them examples there's a great documentary called the game changers and it's actually aimed at men because men seem to be um, it's much harder for men to, to to even consider the idea of giving up meat and the game changers looks at all these incredible athletes women as well but predominantly it focuses in on men and when that film came out the number of my male friends who aren't vegan who called me and messaged me and said oh you know that weird vegan thing you do uh where you don't eat meat <laughs> tell me more about it i'd love to learn so yeah it's really changed a lot over the last year yeah so many of my male friends we all watched it at the same time but so many of them went vegan after that even my partner um he stepped into it didn't fully commit but yeah that show was really interesting shows like the power of psychology um but it was quite interesting um I also read this is we're going off the tangent but I read um did some reading on you and this um you didn't ask uh an interview and said that you um convinced or helped transition your parents into veganism later in like in their 60s which I think is a massive move yeah so I uh what I did was I actually added my mum and my dad to all the vegan Facebook groups and this was actually this was actually before you got you had to get permission to add someone to a Facebook group because back in you know going back a year or so you could just add people and they would automatically be added into the group now you, when you add someone, it, it it asks them, do you want to be added? Um, and so all this vegan content was just coming up on their newsfeed. Um, and before I, know, I knew it, my mum and dad had done Veganuary. And I went back to South Africa. Um, I think it was sort of middle of the year. And my dad, my mum and my dad were like, yeah, no, we've done Veganuary. We're, we're, we're eating plant-based mostly now and we're going to be vegan. And my dad said to me, I'm so vegan. I talked to the ants and I just laughed. I thought, this is crazy. My dad is this meat-loving farmer type you know what's happened if i slipped into some kind of parallel universe brexit happened trump got into power my dad went vegan like <laughs> this is insane i i said to him this is not how, how no you, you're lying you're joking you haven't you you're taking the piss you can't you, you haven't gone vegan dad he's like i have i have i'm not eating meat anymore and he read um proteinaholic by garth davis as well um and he was convinced and yeah they're both in their early 60s now and very passionate vegans which is still like I have to pinch myself it's amazing that is so power of psychology you like trick them through Facebook also power of Facebook (laughs) that's incredible (laughs) Um, that is an incredible thing (laughs) yeah I know it really is um moving back to plant-based news 
Um, so when you launched it, I imagine you had a vision of what you wanted it to be. So what was that vision? And that was in 2017. So how has that vision changed or developed in the last three years? So um, the vision was always to to grow and create a platform to reach as many people as possible. And I, you know, dream always had big dreams of having a huge team of content creators and writers. And we were, you know, we're getting there. We still have a small writing team. We've got one full time uh, editor and a full time deputy editor uh, and and contributors who add to the story and the conversation, you know, intermittently. But um, the vision was to reach as many people as possible and tell that plant-based story and inspire and educate as many people as possible. Because through through the plant-based lifestyle, you know, people can change so many aspects of their lives, their health, their well-being, um, their relationships with with the land. You know, we we can almost halve our carbon footprint. Um, and there was just so much to write about, and so much to talk about. The plant-based and vegan lifestyle is is intertwined and interconnected with so many aspects of our of our culture and who we are. So I just knew there was so much that we could do. There was so much content that could be created. Um, to give you an idea of how far we've come, we when we first started, we were reaching, you know, thousands of people a week. Uh, sorry, a month, which you know, in the and the grand scheme of things, for something that had just started, was pretty good. Um, our website was getting about three thousand visitors a month, and we were like really excited about that. We thought this is amazing. Fast forward to today, uh, on a good day, on a good month, we reach 2 million unique visitors a month on our website. Our, our total social reach is over 70 million a month. Um, and uh, we, we, you know, we have people visiting our platform and, and dropping in on our website and social media from almost every single country on earth. So, um, yeah, I had, no, I had no idea that it would get to that big i did have you know for the last few years i've always wanted to have a target of 100 million people reached um and actually you know god bless him my business partner class thought that it was unobtainable he was like no that's just too big there's no way we could reach that but we're at 70 million already after three and a half years so and a team of you know only really full four full-time people um you know we add a few more people and writers and creators to that we could easily reach 100 million people so yeah I'm still like again pinch myself when I when I think about how we've come in just three and a half years. That's incredible! Wow, this uh that's just it's just it's just it's just incredible. I can't say anything else. I'm sitting here completely gobsmacked over how quickly and how well you've done. It's fantastic. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been quite a ride. I was not expecting to uh, to get for it to, 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 to rise so rapidly. We've obviously been lucky. We, we hit it just before the wave started. Um, all the incredible uh, innovation that's been going on, um, you know, has, has really propelled it. There's a huge demand. A lot of it is propelled by what we call the flexitarian market. So these are people who are actively trying to reduce their meat consumption. So not vegans, but people who are, um, who are aware of the environmental and health impacts of eating too much meat. Uh, the 23 million are of them, uh, of, of, it sounds like you guys are flexitarians, um, you know, in the UK. Yeah. So 23 million of you who are aware, and actually it's your generation as well. like, you know, millennial women, 23 to, th to 35, I'm guessing you're in that range somewhere. Um, yeah. Millennial women are, millennial women are driving this, this change because, you know, your generation of, of women are, who are conscious, who want to make the world a better place, who are inspiring their children, their families, their mums, their dads, and, uh, starting businesses and, you know, changing the world in my opinion. So yeah, it's exciting to be a part of it. Yeah, that's so great. I was actually going to say um, about the kind of flexitarian market, because 
I think now what we see different from maybe our more our grandparents I guess because our parents are being kind of pushed into this now through social media but I feel like people are so exposed to other ways of living and different lifestyles and through Facebook um you know like tasty recipes and all these videos that get thrown into your face non-stop there is content out there that's showing the alternative so I think it's really nice that we're just we might not all be plant-based or vegan um or even vegetarian at that matter but our, our eating habits have completely changed and that could be from eating at home to the hot restaurants that are popping up to things like um what's that vegan vegan nights and like that kind of stuff that I know like huge go for that 4,000 4, people uh, I think it's peak 4,200 4,500 people at a vegan that. food and music festival every month yeah it always rounds and I remember I used to go every month not even just because like I'm not vegan and I have friends who are veggie that would go and some vegans that would go but we just went because it was a vibe and they created a really exciting space and I think being plant-based and being vegan is kind of now linked to a lifestyle that you can buy into in my opinion more than just the food itself that's my two cents on that yeah absolutely i think i think what's what's important at this point to be to to make sure that your listeners are aware of is the 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 differences between what plant-based is and what vegan is veganism uh, is a as a as an ethical uh, framework of which a person lives their life where they abstain uh, from investing their money or, or purchasing anything that comes from an animal. So that includes what we wear and that's silk or leather and everything that we eat. So no eggs, no fish, no meat, no cheese, no dairy, no, no um, honey, all that kind of stuff. So removing the use of animals in all ways. It's this ethical mindset. Um, whereas plant-based is very much the diet. It's all just about nutrition and the food that we eat. Uh, it's not really about environmental side of things. It's really just the fact that you eat a plant-based diet and you don't eat animal products at all. Um, uh, so plant-based isn't an, isn't a, it's not necessarily ethical and it's not necessarily uh, a moral, a moralistic uh, stance. Whereas veganism is a, a moral framework or a moral, a moral lifestyle or an ethical lifestyle vegan comes from the word uh, vegetarian when you take the middle word letters out of vegetarian you get vegan those are the letters on either side so that's where it came from and it was created in the in the 1940s i think uh, donald watson he decided that he wanted to form a society that focused on the removal of, and use of all animal products and the use of animals in uh, entertainment or travel or fashion or food or anything like that and he wanted some some name, a word that people could use to call themselves that used to be called a strict vegetarian, but he, he wanted something uh, that was uh, more nuanced and that stood on its own. So, um, yeah, that's imp- I think it's important to sort of clarify those points, because I think a lot of people get confused between what is plant based, what is vegan, what's the difference and how do they fit together? So vegans eat a plant based diet. Um, some people say a vegan diet, but technically speaking, veganism or vegan isn't a diet. It's essentially the exclusion of any animal products for ethical reasons, really. Thank you so much for, for providing that clarification, because as you said, there are a lot of people who don't understand the differences and think that everything is exactly the same when it really isn't. And yeah, thank you so much for providing that. Bianca and I are both from Jamaican Heritage, and you know the ITIL diet is for the Rastafarians are, you know, that's plant-based, that they just eat from the land. Um, 
and that's really common and if you go to the Mediterranean they although they do eat meat there are lots of dishes that contain no um, animal byproducts or products so in lots of cultures the plant-based diets are normal I just think perhaps Britain it's not we're very much as you said about your partner meat and two veg um, just our lifestyle that's just how we've been raised and I guess it's through yeah culture and history but um I guess as time goes on we're able to open that up a bit and eat what other people are eating from different countries and get ideas and kind of share the wealth in terms of food yeah absolutely I think you know veganism uh as a as a word and as a kind of framework is not as you said it's not new at all cultures have been eating in this way for for a very very long time I think the word vegan and the vegan movement is a new is a fairly new thing so bringing people together across cultures across nationalities across ethnicities you know that's what's wonderful about the word vegan vegan or words are they're kind of like a call to action it brings people together and that's what I, I love about being part of the vegan community is because we're made up of all kinds of different cultures they're Spanish vegan they're black vegans they're italian vegans they're african-american vegans they're jamaican vegans they're ghanaian vegans they're south african vegans and we all bring our own unique um, slant on what vegan food and food culture is uh, but what's great about the word vegan is that when we all come together around that word we all agree that it's unnecessary to use animals in our in our food and in our fashion and in our lifestyle because the alternatives or the improvements in my opinion are so much better they're better for the environment they use less water um and there is there's less suffering involved obviously that isn't always the case you know sometimes when people buy vegan products they think that it means there's no suffering but that's not strictly true if you go and buy chocolate for example the cacao beans could be picked by children in west africa because it's not ethically sourced it's not traded ethically maybe there's no fair, fair trade uh, in the supply chain but the product itself is just pure cacao and and um cocoa butter and some sugar so that by definition is vegan but it isn't certainly ethically vegan that's why you get a lot of people talking about ethical veganism it's a it's the next step beyond just vegan vegan means no animal products but ethical veganism is about having uh, an ethical conscience when you buy something i don't tend to drink as much almond milk as i did it as i did in the past because almonds are environmentally a lot more taxing to the planet than say oats i tend to drink pretty much only oat milk and uh, soya milk that comes from Europe so I don't tend to drink almond milk because a lot of it comes from um, California and it puts a huge strain on the environment nowhere near as much as dairy milk or cow, cow milk <laughs> but you know it's always about trying to make those little tweaks to you know to make those improvements for me that is what ethical veganism is all about and that's another I think point that's important to remember too yeah totally agree I could talk about this all day because I do I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet for a lot of vegans who say that they're vegan and then they do lots of extracurricular activities that don't necessarily um, align with what I believe veganism is. So, mm. yeah, this is something I talk about a lot um, with the hip hop. Definitely. Community. But, um, there is there is it's it exists in in you know people are not very good at being aligned with their morals and their ethics um you know people can say one thing and then you see them doing something else because you know in their heads they want to be seen well they want to see themselves as ethical compassionate kind people but then they might be doing something else 
that you know say you might have a doctor for example who talks about health and wellness and then you see him smoking you know you don't like the doctor's trying to teach you about the dangers of health of of, of smoking and cigarettes but then you might see them hit them hit them smoking out the back of the the surgery you know like a bit in, a bit shy and embarrassed i think we all intrinsically know when we're doing things that are not ethical or they're not good for us um i think i think unfortunately we live in this sort of like call out culture and cancel culture where people are very quick to tear each other down vegans i know certainly are good at that there are also a lot of meat eaters as well who are very quick to sort of tear into vegans as well and to call us crazy and cult-like and all that but ultimately you know humans um are very good at judging each other we're always like throwing casting my friend says casting nasturtions, casting aspersions at each other, you know, and not really like just listening. You know, the Buddha said, you know, we have two ears and one mouth because we should listen twice as much as we speak. It's so important to learn from others by by listening rather than sort of like constantly criticizing and giving, you know, giving our judgment. So I think vegans have a lot to learn. It's a very young kind of, you could say, c- counterculture, um, and it's evolving all the time. Um, but I think people do need to learn to listen more and and and, how, and lead with compassion. I think that's, for me, the only way we're going to change the world. 100%. Totally agree. I think that's a really nice um, kind of like closing argument, even though we've got a couple, I think we've got another question, haven't we? <laughs> My next question was just going to be, going back um to plant-based news and just asking you what we should expect next um because well you kind of touched on it earlier talking about you know adding to your team could lead to a lot more growth your numbers are incredibly impressive already um so yeah what have you got any plans for anything coming up or is it just growth Uh, for us it's yeah our mission is to get more people to eat more plants that's the mission. We are um, working very hard to refine our message. We're on news and media platforms, so we do have to try to be as neutral as we can. Um, but ultimately, what we want to u- do is use the power of journalism, but also social media to influence as many people as possible. People often talk about influencer culture in a very negative way, that it's sort of superficial and that it's all about just how you look and how what, you, what bag you bought and what car you drive. But actually, you know, we can use this incredible system, this social media system, to influence people in a really positive way and make them feel inspired about the the choices that they make, the food choices, the fashion choices, the travel choices, how they travel, how often they travel. Um, there's so much knowledge out there from really incredible people who are at the forefront of social change. But the, the information is just not getting to people because they don't have millions of pounds to spend on advertising and, and above the line and below the line media. This is what a media platform like Plant Based News can do. We can help plant-based brands and vegan brands and ethical companies and ethical campaigns to reach into and tap into those really empowered and uh, motivated millennial mostly millennial women who are there like because our our audience is like 80 plus percent women 86 percent women if you look at our, our website stats and our social media stats um it's it's 80 plus percent women so it's a very particular group of people and they're very passionate people. Uh, and I think if we can continue to have a conversation with them and inspire them and, you know, keep, keep their trust uh, that we're a legitimate, incredible, organi- incredible organization, um, they will continue to share our message and spread, spread this knowledge. So that's our focus, really, to keep the trust of our audience, uh, to, to grow, reach more and more people um, and, you know, hopefully 
hopefully make a few pounds in the meantime to pay the bills. <laughs> it's not always easy. There's not, you know, there's not millions of pounds in vegan news media, but you know, there's certainly a lot of like um, job satisfaction because I get to meet incredible people. Uh, I get to see all the latest and exciting new innovations, and um, and a lot of organisations, environmental organisations, are interested in what we're doing because they know that if we can inspire more people to eat more plants, that it's going to lower the carbon footprint of the population. So we have to get people off as much meat as we can um, and onto eating more plants. So that's that's going to be our mission for the next few years. Long may it last. <laughs> Amen to that. But yeah, um, so one thing that we always do with the podcast is that we ask our guests to set us a sort of challenge for the week. Um, what have you got for us to do this week? I'm, I feel like I'm ready, but I'm also slightly nervous. <laughs> I, I'd like to set you a very simple challenge. You know, um, going dairy-free may seem a bit scary, but in modern Britain, we have so many incredible and cool products to try. Um, I hopefully can send you a list of things to have a go at, um, whether it's like swapping your milk out for oat milk but um, with your tea, in your tea or to, you know, to, to trying some vegan cheese from one of the supermarkets or um, what else is there or, or, or trying an Alpro yogurt or one of these other brands that are they're producing great, great vegan yogurts um, or even trying a, a soy cream in your curry rather than a dairy cream. So um, and then maybe even sort of rather than if you make curries and things rather than using paneer to use like um, some cubed tofu instead. Uh, so there's lots of different ways and loads of different recipes. So, you know, trying dairy free for a week, see how you feel. Does it change your energy levels? How does your skin look? Um, does your, your sinuses and your breathing different? Um, I can almost guarantee you that you will notice, a, a, you know, a, a quite a marked difference after one week of being off it. And if it, and if it uh, feels good, try another week. <laughs> I can do that. I'm looking forward to it. I do want to just say one thing, though. I've just literally received a box of cheese as a birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to have to stick all of that to the back of the fridge. <laughs> Leave it for a week. Yeah. Yeah. Cheese and dairy is not easy because it's um, yeah. not without going too much into the science. It's a very uh, addictive uh, food, food type. Uh, and there's all kinds of chemistry that goes on in the body that actually kind of heavily stimulates the brain. Uh, and so when we eat cheese, our body, our brains actually light up like a Christmas tree. It does stimulate the neurons in our brain and our gut produces this uh, opiate called, um, um, oh, my brain has completely gone blank there. Casomorphine, thank you for that brain. Casomorphine, your gut actually produces a casomorphine, which is an opiate-like substance. And so getting off cheese and off dairy, you have to wean yourself. Uh, and so a week is, you know, is a good start. But if you can get two or three weeks off dairy, you will really notice a huge difference uh, in, your, in your craving for it. Uh, but the more we eat, the more we want to eat. Uh, so that's always something to keep in mind. It's a, it's a, it's a very Moorish food, and uh, there's a lot of biochemical reasons for that. So um, I'd be interested to hear and see how you get on with your, your week off from the dairy. Well, we'll probably what we'll do in our next catch-up episode, we'll be able to kind of discuss it then and discuss kind of our findings and what, what it is. I mean, for me, in terms of going dairy-free, it's not really an issue. I'm, I grew up in a kosher household, so my mum wouldn't mix meat and dairy anyway. So if we were going to have dairy one day, that would literally just be dairy. But yeah, never going to do anything that had the slightest bit of meat in it. There would be no dairy involved. So 
we've always had alternatives. So if, even before, like the UK used to be rubbish if you wanted to get any sort of alternative milk. So I've grown up with like rice milk for a long time and now there's so many more options available. So it's nice to see how we've kind of evolved. So in like vegan cheese and non-dairy cheeses that were out before were very, very rubbery. And now you can't really tell the difference that much with a lot of the hard cheeses. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I'm going to see if I can get old meat and two veg involved. (laughs) 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 That's going to be his name now. (laughs) If anybody wanted to find you on social media, where could they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. On Instagram, I'm Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E underscore Lockie, L-O-C-K-I-E. And on Twitter, I'm Robbie Lockie, no spaces. And uh, obviously, we're on plant-based news on all social networks known to mankind, forward slash plant-based <laughs> news. And I also have a, a weekly and now soon to be bi-monthly podcast, which is on soundcloud.com forward slash plant-based news. Also on iTunes, pod, uh, Spotify, and everywhere else uh, you can get podcasts. And uh, and you can obviously, if you're interested to email me, contact at plantbasednews.org. Uh, thanks again. <laughs>